Welcome to another episode of the One Hood Power Hour. Um, we are back after, you know, a, a brief uh, one-week hiatus. Um, and, you know, back here tonight with my colleague, Miracle Jones. Um, we'll be joined shortly as well by our director, Kahari Mosley. Um, you know, and uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. We have another exciting episode. Um, tonight we'll be focusing on, um, you know, promoting and, and advocating for safety in the community. Um and so we have a, a couple really great guests tonight, um, you know, who are really involved in, in doing that, you know, that work on the ground, um, you know, advocating for youth, doing a lot of, a lot of different important work in the community, um, you know, in service of that mission. And so we'll be joined by uh, LaVon Wesley um, from GAME at, at Penn State Allegheny, um, as well as Kelly, Shak- uh, Kelly Shakur, um, who is the founder of Fro Gang as well. Um, you know, so we're really excited to have those guests on tonight. And I will pass it off to Miracle to to start off with a couple of hot takes as well. Um, yes, and, and first things first, you know, today it would have been the twenty um, first birthday of Antoine Rose, and so we want to start off by just reminding people to please support, you know, the Rose family. The Antoine Rose Foundation um, is 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 up and running and taking support and donations with uh, a call on a mission to help the youth. And it's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this program this evening is talk about what is happening um, in our communities and how the community members are showing up and supporting each other and protecting, you know, our, our babies, our young people. Um, while there's so much of a larger dialogue about crime and violence, we wanted to amplify and highlight some of the resources that are out there uh, for the community members to get involved in and take advantage of. And so we know this weekend has been there's a lot of stuff happening, you know, um, from, you know, voter protection bills being introduced to voter suppression bills being introduced and debated. Um, even here in Pennsylvania, there is a conversation, an ongoing conversation about possibly going through another audit, even though we've gone uh, through over 60 type uh, of audits, uh, research, uh, analytics to determine whether or not there was improprieties with this past presidential election cycle. So that still is at the forefront. Um, and even happening right now, there is a conversation about the $330 plus million that is coming to Pittsburgh, how that's going to be uh, spent. The uh, mayor put out his plan um, of what he wants the money to go to. Um, there's a lot of, of great things that um, he is trying to pass when it comes to some some things like affordable housing. There are a lot of community members who are advocating for more of a a community-based process. A lot of community members, particularly impacted Black, Brown, and queer individuals would like more of a say in how the money is being spent, where it's going, who it's benefiting. There's a lot of things that are happening on the national and local level that we're paying attention to, as well as on the international level with things going on in Haiti, Cuba, um, Tigray, and Palestine, you know, situations that we've covered previously. Um, tensions have escalated in the past week, so we're still keeping um, our eyes and our thoughts and prayers to people globally. And then, you know, we always like to talk about sports. It's been very, it's been a very interesting, complicated, you know, sports uh, news cycle the past 24 hours. Of course, all of our hearts are broken and, you know, a lot of us are disappointed to see the racial abuse that happened with um, when England lost the soccer match. Um, and it just goes to show you that, you know, when we tell athletes to shut up and dribble or we tell athletes to stick to sports, they, no matter where they are on the greatest stages in life at the pinnacle of their careers, they're not, you know, protected from anti-Blackness and anti-Black violence. So I think this past, 
you know, week has been a lot for so many of us, you know, personally, professionally, politically, but we're still seeing, you know, some great things happening, some um, really good legislation coming down the pipeline from voting rights. Um, we know the other week, the local school board um, is going to be reducing some of the ways they engage uh, youth who are going through school and, and are getting in trouble. So as we go back to reopening, as we have this mass mandate completely lifted, there are some things that we're also looking forward to. So it's not all negative. Back to you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for that miracle. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty thorough rundown of, of a lot of the, you know, the, the major recent events of the last couple of days. Um, you know, just touching on a few of those things some more, um, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, the, a lot of the voting bills, the legislation, um, around that primarily restrictive legislation, um, you know, is being proposed in a lot of different states around the country. Um, and just today, you know, the super controversial uh, voter uh, voter registration, uh, vote, voting restriction bill in Texas um, actually led to, you know, the House Democrats in the state physically fleeing the state as, as a means to try to prevent that bill from passing. Um, and that's because, you know, of some of the super restrictive provisions of it um, it bans late night and 24 hour voting. It effectively bans black churches, uh, souls to the polls initiatives that, you know, were there to boost turnout. Um, you know, also really crucially, it lowers the threshold for courts to overturn elections, which, which would set a really, you know, dangerous precedent in the state. Um, you know, it makes it harder for folks with disabilities to get mail-in ballots and to receive transportation to the polls. Um, so, you know, a lot of these bills are, are really, really consequential, have a lot of really dangerous provisions in them. Um, and it's, you know, really important that we advocate against and push back against them, not only as they're proposed in Pennsylvania, but as they're proposed in other states, um, you know, not only for its own sake, but also just so, you know, those similar bills then don't pass there and, and get proposed in Pennsylvania as well. Um, and then also just to touch on, you know, a couple more of the details of, uh, the mayor's proposed plan for that American rescue rescue plan funding. Um, you know, in addition to the stuff you already mentioned, one thing that was good to see, um, there was a couple million in there allocated to, to artists who, you know, lost resources, lost income due to COVID. Um, you know, so that it, it wasn't a, a substantial amount of the budget, um, but still, you know, encouraging to see, see that aspect of it included in the budget. Um, so like you said, there are some positives, but then on the flip side, um, there was also two million allocated towards um, public safety facilities after after you know the, the rise in violent crime, which you know is is how it was listed in the plan. Um, and so again, you know that's something we really got to keep a close eye on as far as how specifically that money would be allocated. You know, just to get more information on that and and to advocate and, and push back against anything that would be you know escalating policing, escalating incarceration. Um, and, you know, I think that's really crucial, especially now, especially with everything we know about Allegheny County Jail, with everything we've been talking about recently, um, and then some of the recent developments there with, you know, another another person passing in the jail within the last week, um, which, you know, was a completely avoidable, you know, unnecessary loss of life because of, because of how we use Allegheny County Jail in the county right now. Um, and, you know, as a part of that ballot measure that passed, related to solitary confinement at the jail, they're not required to release a detailed report on how solitary is used. And so we now know that even last month after that ballot measure had passed, um, still one sixth of the jail population had been subjected to solitary in that past month. Um, that's almost 300 people. And it was, um, you know, two thirds, I believe at least the two thirds majority of those individuals were black um, and also included, you know, one juvenile, a child put in solitary in Allegheny County Jail as well. Um, so that's just some recent updates, but again, one positive related to Allegheny County jail is that, you know, one thing we've been pushing really hard for is to get County executive Rich Fitzgerald to actually attend one of the jail oversight board meetings and, you know, begin to take some accountability for that and, and really address that issue. And he did finally attend, um, this month's meeting and hopefully will be more involved going forward. Um, which really represents, a, you know, a crucial step in, in trying to enact some of that change at Allegheny County jail. So there are, you know, always still some positives as well. And now it looks like we're being joined by Kahari as well. Hey, good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening. And I know it was, it was a big event for the Mosley family this weekend. Um, 
with with some of the art the um, art showing that your uh, dad uh, released. Did you want to talk a little bit about that before we go to our um, next guest? Sure. Uh, yeah. Active uh, called a group A, um, the abstract group um, that was very active um, uh, up through the uh, 1960s. And they had a, a retrospective um, show of some of the living uh, members uh, of the group, as well as several, um, you know, members who passed on, but uh, folks um, who uh, are collectors um, who have uh, some of their works um, donated them to the show, um, including um, Allegheny County Court of Police, Court of Common Police Judge Hugh McGuff um, and his husband um, Chris Rust, um, um, who many folks know as well. Uh, from the civic space and very uh, involved, um, you know, with, uh, with, uh, with the work with his choir, as well as collaborating with, you know, with various, uh, with the Jewish community, as well as African-American community in the choral um, community. So we were able uh, to check out a piece that they have of my father's that's in their private collection, as well as uh, a piece that my uh, father has in his private uh, collection. So yeah, it was a, a great time. Um, you know, for those who can make it, you know, um, check out uh, the Group A exhibit. It's, it's in Lawrenceville, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll drop in the comments um, uh, the gallery. Um, the, the name of the gallery is escaping me right this second. I apologize. But it is located at 50, uh, I believe, uh, 5126 Butler Street, um, you know, for those who want to um, check that out. Um, so, yes, yeah, so thanks, for, you know, for mentioning that. Um you know, um, yeah, it was, it was a cool event, and shout out to Chris Rust and um, Judge Hugh McGuff uh, for, uh, you know, uh, showing uh, their piece of my father's that's in their private collection. So it was cool. Yeah, and so, um, look, so there's a lot of great things that are happening, you know, in Pittsburgh. Um, in this region. And one of the things we wanted to highlight um, with tonight's episode are ways that people are showing up in the community to advocate for safety, to bring resources to those who need them. And to really be there for our youth and for our young people, we know that as summer approaches, there's a lot of issues and conversations about safety that happens like every summer, but as they're coming, you know, through like the tail end of this global pandemic that may actually be creating a, a second wave, unfortunately. We wanted to just to highlight um, some advocates who are in the community. And our first um, guest is uh, Mr. Wesley, who is coming to us through um, his organization uh, called GAME, which is Giving Adolescents Meaningful Experiences you know, at Greater Penn Allegheny. And it's a it's really a, a concerted effort to um, work with impacted individuals, um, especially you know teen and youth who um, are going through various systems, and highlighting them, giving them um, experiences to keep them and encourage them to stay on the right path. And so I'm here to talk more about game and some really cool uh, things that they have in store. We welcome to the One Hit Power Hour, uh, Mr. Levon Wesley. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Um, and as you know, I gave a little a overview, but can you talk a little bit about GAME, what it is, and the history of the organization? Absolutely. Um, so we've been around not even two full years yet. Uh, we actually started uh, from a, we're a grant-funded uh, organization in conjunction with Penn State Greater Allegheny. So we're here in the continued education department for Penn State Greater Allegheny. And what we do is we have a group of us called the GA Street Team. And what we did was sit down and actually just come up. We, we wanted to come up with something that we can have something real powerful to disrupt the school to prison pipeline. So we sat down collaboratively to write up a grant proposal 
for Project Game at the time, but we now change it to Game. And this proposal, you know, we presented it to the Heinz Foundation. Um, they loved it, and they gave us an opportunity. So we were able to gain funding over the last year and a half. And the whole purpose of this program is to disrupt the school-to-prison pipeline and provide as many resources to our boys as possible. Uh, the beginning of this program started specifically with the CIS the Community Intensive Service Program. Um, there, you know, we have our adjudicated boys, and we wanted to get them before they got to the adult courts. So that's really the vision for this program um, to where now we push into every CIS building here within Allegheny County, and we do multitude of things from many lessons on growth mindset, financial literacy, and things of that nature, uh, in addition to some things we do within the schools as well. Yeah, thank you for that. Ryan? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, so when you talked about, you know, one of one of the main focuses of GAME um, is disrupting that school-to-prison pipeline. Um, you know, we, we know in Allegheny County that um, the, the Pittsburgh Public School Police, um, you know, is one of the main sources of, of court referrals for, you know, um, black boys and girls in Allegheny County. Uh, I believe it's 33% of court referrals for black girls and, and 20% of the total countywide court referrals for black boys. Um, so, you know, how does your, how does your presence in a lot of the Allegheny County area public schools really, you know, seek to seek to remedy that issue, seek to, you know, address, you know, whatever problems may exist, um, you know, before it gets to that point of, you know, introduction into, into that justice system. Um, absolutely. We're a conflict resolution program. Um, what we want to do is be as preventative as possible. So when we push into schools, like, for example, McKeesport this past year, and we'll also be uh, pushing into Woodland Hills High School coming up for this school year, what we want to do is provide these kids, and it's not just boys now, we're actually working with young women as well when we push into these schools. We want to provide them with the tools that they need to change their mindset and look at their situation a lot differently. So growth mindset, for one. A lot of the reason why a lot of outside of the systematic things that are in place, our kids recidivize is because of their mindset, okay? They don't have a growth mindset. They believe this is where they're supposed to be, and that starts in school. They suspend them early, get them used to being in trouble, get them used to being out of school to where they believe this is who they truly are, you know? So what we try to do is provide um, strategies and lessons. We do many lessons on growth mindset to change their mindset from a fixed to a growth mindset to letting themselves know and giving them the strategy to know that they can change gradually over time. It doesn't have to be a 360 or anything like that. In addition to that, we also provide mental health lessons and things and mental health resources. So we do cognitive behavioral therapy. So we touch on things like PTSD, anxiety, depression, and a lot of other things to where at the end of each lesson, we are actually providing them with strategies and resources to help them cope with these situations that they are dealing with at home and in school as well. Talk about professionalism, uh, what it means that when we talk about perception and how people perceive us and things of that nature, in addition to providing them um, resources when it comes to uh, employment. Uh, also, some of the kids may not want to or can't go the route of graduating high school. So GED route, we offer that as well. And then also post-secondary education. So the way we attack it is more so in a conflict resolution piece to where we create something called an ISP, which is an individual success plan. If you're used, to, if you're familiar with the school system, you know they have something called an IEP, an individual education plan. And me being a former educator myself, a middle school history and social studies teacher, what I wanted to do when we came over into this program is kind of flip that. You know, that IEP is supposed to help, but a lot of times our kids stay within special ed and never get off of that track once we get them in on that track. So this individual success plan allows the boys, we give them a personality assessment along with the ladies as well. Um, I'm a nationally certified True Colors personality assessment uh, advisor. And what we do is give them personality assessments so they know themselves first. So they're able to track this data and we create an ISP to where they're able to add this data onto their ISP. We create smart goals with them academically and personally, and we create actionables with them as well. So now they have a list or a success map, a roadmap to achieve the goals that they want to and to gradually change their mindset. And we, and we sit down and show them each time they complete an actual a goal that we set, we mark it out and we and we reward them, you know, um, for their actions because they're they're working their butts off and they don't get enough, 
You know, sometimes they don't get enough notoriety, even though it may be small wins. These are huge to some of them. So those are the ways that we go about trying to combat, you know, our kids recidivizing in the system and also trying to build a restorative relationship when it comes to our students and the teachers and the administrators. A lot of times when these kids are being removed from class, and I can tell you personally as an educator, a lot of educators are holding a grudge. And if you know anything about our kids, especially from the communities in which I come from, if it's a beef, it's a beef. Now I got a beef with my educator now. So every time I go back to this class, I don't want to learn. I might skip the class and I might cut up in the class just because I don't like this teacher or I believe that this teacher doesn't like me. So what we try to do is also preach and try to teach um, just a, a, a restorative practice to where we're teaching our children. Not only does our, do the educator need to re, practice restorative, restoring a relationship, you do as well, and not to take everything personal. So what I tell them, so you don't trick yourself off the streets in a sense to where you're getting bad grades simply because you don't like an educator and in, in actuality is hurting you because they already have a degree and they already have a job and they already have a career. So what I want to do is make sure, even as we're dealing with some of these implicit biases within the schools and within our judicial system, that our kids are growing themselves and being able to identify those and, and, and navigate around them. Thank you so much, Kahari. Yeah, um, so you, you, I mentioned uh, you, you work in McKeesport. Is there any other uh, communities um, that you're working in? If you could talk about some of the work that, that you've done in the communities that you're, that you're currently involved in. Yes, the majority of our work is, uh, well, we're stationed here, Penn State, Greater Allegheny. I don't know if a lot of people know, uh, is here in McKeesport. We're literally right across the street from McKeesport High School. Um, as far as the Allegheny County, like I mentioned earlier, we're involved with the CIS. So we're in every single CIS building here in Allegheny County. So any individual that is, excuse me, any of our youth that are court mandated on house arrest and have to deal with the CIS, they see us. Um, so we're, our arms are spread all across from the Hill District to the north side, to Monioc, um, to uh, Garfield, Wilkinsburg, you name it, we're there. Um, in addition to our high schools, like I said, McKeesport, we were fortunate enough to get in there. And then we also are fortunate enough to now to where we have a partnership with Woodland Hills High School. So we will be in their school district as well. And the dope thing about it is we're going to be in the school all day. So we're not a mentoring program that's just going to come in there, give you an hour and then we leave. We're actually going to have a space within the school so our young boys and girls can come see us if they feel like they need advocates or if they need any type of assistance mentally, personally, or academically as well. Yeah, um, thank you for that. And speaking on that, what are some of the resources that the youth are asking for that they're not you know, getting right now? You talked about sometimes there's an issue with a teacher or, or sometimes there is like a mental health issue. Um, as you're working directly with these young people, particularly these young people who are um, at risk, what are they what are they telling you that they need? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, finances, employment, you know, um, and education. You, you know, a lot of people believe that just because our children are within the system that they don't they don't have any ambition. You know, these individuals consistently want they say, Mr. Levon, can you all help me get a job? Mr. Levon, can you help me either finish high school or get my GED? Or if they're interested in going to post-secondary education, how can you help me get into school? Those are the main things they're looking for and a pathway. Because let's be honest, most of these individuals, they know what they want. They can express and articulate what they want, but they don't know the path or they don't have a plan of action. And so that's what we provide for them. But consistently, it's about employment opportunities and it's about education. And just that pathway, how do I get there? Most of them, and I can speak for myself, I was a product of the system. I went to Edinburgh University. I played football up there. I was on house arrest for three months while I was on the football team, you know. So I can understand some of the struggle. And, I, and part of the reason why is because I was misunderstood, just like a lot of our youngsters are out here today, you know. So those are the two things. So when we work with these individuals, once we identify exactly what path they want to go and we allow them to create this this ISP individual success plan. So they're vested and invested in this plan. Once they identify which route they want to go, if it's, you know, certification, if it's getting their uh, college degree, you know, if it's just hitting the ground running and going right to work right out of high school after getting their GED, what we want to do is navigate them the way they need to go. So for example, healthy start, 
they're a great organization. They'll send us over myself a lot of job postings and things of that nature. So some of our older individuals in assist, we might help them out with applying for jobs. So we help them create resumes. We help them apply for jobs and things of that nature. So if I had to hammer it down, it's employment because of the money aspect and also education as well, because they know they need it either to fulfill their probationary uh, stipulations or for their own personal gain so they can move on and get out of the situation that they're currently in. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, and so, you know, one of the things we talked about here, some on, on recent weeks, and, and really, you know, ties into, um, you know, this episode's focus on, on promoting community safety. Um, you know, recently there, there's been a lot of, you know, reactionary calls um, from politicians, from you know, journalists, media personnel, etc. Um, you know, to rises in in crime and violence. Um, uh, you know, calling for um, the response to that to be, you know, an increase in the amount of funding and resources that are allocated to, you know, policing and, you know, incarceration, detention, et cetera. Um, so, you know, as someone who runs, you know, the type of programs um, that, that, you know, provide resources as more of a proactive approach to that, um, you know, what, what would you say to someone who favors, um, you know, that, that policing and, and incarceration-based approach to that problem, um, instead of, you know, allocating more funding, more resources to the type of program um, that you run at game? Great question, Ryan. I mean, honestly, I say look at history, man. We've been wasting billions of dollars for a long time now as we keep dumping money into our, you know, prison systems, into our policing and systems and things of that nature. Now, in some communities, I do understand, like specifically with McKeesport, they're underserved when it comes to their police officers and things of that nature. Same thing goes with like communities like Duquesne, to which I'm familiar with. You know, so in those aspects, I totally understand. But if we keep dump, we're we're just throwing money away because at the end of the day, we're still not building relationships with these youngsters. We're still not addressing the major issues, which is most of them are growing up in households with dysfunction and mental health issues. So they're not able to process their emotions properly and things of that nature. And our system is really supposed to be from the beginning, from what they claim is supposed to be really rehabilitation. But we know that's not what's going on there. So we're throwing millions of dollars away willingly because the data shows that hasn't helped in over history and over time just continue to put money back in that aspect now when you look at other countries who are uh you know dedicating the majority of funds to education after school programs and things of that nature you will see that this violence naturally will go down the recidivism rate will naturally go down if i feel hopeless and i feel like my community is hopeless and i feel like the school doesn't offer the resources or the school doesn't accept me for who I am or my educators do not culturally identify with me, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do some things that I'm not supposed to do because, A, I don't have anything to do because we don't have the resources, after school programs. A lot of schools don't have vocational programs where you're fixing cars, doing here, and you can learn how to do those things so you can come out and be an entrepreneur. A lot of our kids still want to do those things, but the resources aren't out here for them. So that's why they find themselves in a situation where they're getting picked up and they're becoming part of the system and being implemented into the school to prison pipeline here. So for anyone that really champions and support the continuation of dumping millions and billions of dollars into, you know, a justice system that has shown that it's not doing what it, let me, let me refrain from that. It's actually doing exactly what they wanted to do, but from what they portray is supposed to be doing. And they, and as far as what their intent is portrayed to be, it's not happening. We're still seeing our young boys and girls being incarcerated at a higher rate than any other race or ethnicity in Pennsylvania or in the United States in general. So I will rebut that, uh, that idea for sure. Thank you. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I had a quick question. Are there, is there, uh, you know, besides, you know, your partnership with the university, are there other community organizations that you're working with um, that you would like, you know, to shout out, you know, and, and could you talk about maybe how, if there are, you know, what those partnerships look like? Um, you want to know what's crazy? Uh, like I said, we've been around no more than not even two years yet. Uh we haven't had the opportunity to really partner with many other organizations, mentorship programs. Quite honestly, um, I'm still trying to identify what mentorship programs are available and out here. I'm familiar with one individual, um, and he'll be actually collaborating with us later on in uh, Summit. I'm sure we'll talk about that. 
with One Nation, with Kevin uh, McNair. And, uh, you know, we discussed some things. So we have some things down the pipeline. Hopefully we can collaborate with each other since the majority of the kids that we're reaching right now are in the Mon Valley area. And we definitely want to start getting closer to Pittsburgh public schools areas because I know we can offer a lot for those individual students there as well. But I'm open, man. Um, one thing I have run into um, I feel like sometimes here in our city, we're reluctant to work with one another because we're afraid that someone's going to step on another individual's toes or they might offer a better program than we offer. And that gets mixed up. And then we're, our kids are lost in the wash. When we could really, I look at it as almost like a relay. I should be able to hand the baton on to you for resources that I may not be able to offer, but I trust you and your organization to take care of this individual. So I'm going to then now pass this individual on to you and your program. So we're always, you know, looking to work with individuals. Like I said, Healthy Start reaches out to me every day um, with job postings and things of that nature. So I definitely have to shout them out because they, they have, they're they bombarding my uh, email with opportunities. And I appreciate that. And I just hope that we can connect with a, uh, other programs that offer some resources that we may not offer or we can just help strengthen each other. And, and like I said, pass the baton, make sure that our kids aren't falling in between the cracks. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I know you you mentioned it a little bit, so I'll go ahead and ask you about it. Can you talk about the, the summit that's coming up and, and why this was so important for you to put this together um, as some of the speakers and your hope for the summit? Absolutely. So I'll give you a little bit of information. I had to talk to, you know, a few people first. They say, don't give them too much yet. So I can only give you a snippet. You know, of course, you know, um, we're, we're excited to collaborate, you know, with you guys, One Hood, with this uh, summit here. It'll be a four-day summit. It's via Zoom. Um, it'll be to the public, open to the public. And the purpose of this summit is to highlight and discuss the school-to-prison pipeline. And what we're doing is inviting individuals from across all sectors here in Allegheny County, from the education field to the uh, juvenile justice field to the community mentorship field to where we're now coming together and we're discussing our individual experiences from our point of view from the sector to which we work. And then as we discuss our point of view on how our kids are being dealt with, how we should deal with our children, and what are some of our shortcomings, we're hoping to then create some actionables with each other to where now we can identify those gaps and start to close them to where educators, administrators from schools, um, uh, probation officers, you know, uh, community activists and mentor groups are all communicating together. So now when Mike is having issues in school, you know, if we can't get in contact with his probation officer, we can get in contact with his mentor that's from a mentor program that we are familiar with, and we all are in communication, so we built a, built a community around these individuals. So that's really the purpose for this summit, is to give our point of views. We want everyone from all sectors across Allegheny County that work closely with our youth to basically brainstorm and come up with actionables and share our experiences. Um, we have some great individuals, you know, from Principal Woodson. Um, and then, of course, we have an amazing keynote speaker who I'm excited about. I don't know if I should mention his name, but um, he is a very uh, influential individual, you know. And then, um, of course, we're going to have our cis boys uh, view this as well because we want them to hear what other individuals are saying about what's needed. And I think that you cannot have this conversation without having the individuals who are entrenched in this system there and listening and being active as well. Um, so I'm excited about it. Like I said, it's via Zoom. This will be July the 19th. So that's coming up on us soon. It'll be four days. Uh, it'll be midday. So it'll be around two o'clock until about three. We want to make sure if you were working, you could get on your lunch and you could get in and log in and listen and participate. And with that being said, we're hoping to leave out of there with progress to where we're closing the communication gap between all of these sectors that deal closely with our youth. And then hopefully next year, come back around in person and look at some of the actionable that we've come up with and see and reflect on if they were able to help us out with closing these gaps and stopping the recidivation rate when it comes to our young boys and girls here. So that's a little bit of what I'll give you. I won't go too much further into that. Yes. Well, Mr. Wesley, we thank you so much for joining us on the Power Hour. Before before you go, can you just we put we'll have your website in the chat, but can you just how can people reach, reach people listening? They either want to volunteer, do resources, or even um, see if their child is working with your organization, refer your child to your organization. How can they contact you? 
Absolutely. Um, you can always just go to Google and you can type in Project Game, G-A-M-E, Penn State, in your Google search. And our website will be the first address to come up. It'll take you to our Penn State uh, web page, but it'll take you to our sub page, which is Project Game. It has our contact information and all the resources that we provide here at Project Game. Um, also, you can uh, follow me on social media at Mr. Dot underscore Wesley, that's M-R period underscore Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y, and follow some of the things that we've been doing and are continuing to, continuing to do and planning to do in the future. And if you want to DM me, if you have any questions about our program, feel free to do so. Um, but yeah, those are the mediums to which you can uh, get in contact with me, and always via email. Uh, my Penn State email is LB as in boy, W, 5370 at psu.edu. So those are the three best ways to get in contact with us if you are interested in getting connected to any resources or any questions, or if you would love to collaborate with Project Game in the future. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Wesley. We'll look forward to seeing you next week at the summit. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Right here as well. And so, um, like I said, there's a lot of great things happening here in Allegheny County um, and in this region where people who um, basically took up the mantle. They saw what was going on. They saw the attack on our youth and our young people, and they basically got involved. And our next guest um, did the same thing. But she has been, you know, at the forefront of fighting for Black girls in this region, fighting for their self-worth, fighting to make sure they see themselves as value um, and valuable uh, within society and created programming. Um, and so our next guest, we want to take this time to welcome uh, Kelly Shakur, the CEO and founder of Fro Gang, um, to talk about the work that she is doing um, here in Allegheny County. So um, welcome, Kelly. Hello, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. And can you just you know, start off the bat, just talk about what is Fro Gang, um, what, what caused you to create this organization and what have y'all been, because y'all been doing so much. Yes. <laughs> uh, but what are some of the things you've been doing uh, over the past couple of years? Okay. So Fro Gang is a organization that unapologetically promotes and empowers and encourages Black girls to, you know, just rock their natural hair, love their afro, and, you know, just understand the symbolic power and um, symbolism that it holds. Uh, you know, we do a lot of things in the city, um, which is like like we pass out Black Barbie dolls because we understand um, the importance of Black girls having dolls that represent them. Um, we have a Read More Black Boy initiative going on because we are encouraging Black boys to read more because we understand by the fourth grade, um, if their reading skills are not up to par, the lifestyle um, they can have. So I forgot the last question, but we're doing so much. So I'm just, I forgot your last question. Um, what caused you to create Fro Game? Okay. Um, it just, what caused me to create Fro Game was the lack of repu positive repre representation, whether it's in the media or for real in your communities. Um, growing up with hair, I've always had hair. I was often degraded, ostracized, laughed at, picked apart really for having hair. And it really made me um, have low self-esteem. Uh, I got perms. I covered it with weave. I mean, I did so many things to cover up the natural side of me. And until I went to my HBCU, Miles College in Alabama, I started to really peel apart um, the insecurities that I had with my natural hair. So um, just doing that, graduating, coming back home and seeing these same insecurities. I mean, I was a young girl, I'm 34 now, and seeing these same insecurities being passed on through generation and generation I just felt like, well, somebody has to be the voice and why not me? You know what I mean? I know the walk. Um, I survived the walk. You know what I mean? I survived it. And I feel like I have the solution for it. So I just, I mean, God gave me the vision to create Fro Gang and we've been booming ever since unapologetically. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for providing, you know, that background, breaking it down a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I believe one of the one of the other things that, you know, you've been doing as a part of Fro Gang um, is your successful sister sessions uh, youth mentorship program. Um, so can you, can you talk a little bit about that as well? You know what what the program does, um, you know, what what really led you to create that as well? 
Yes. So our successful sister sessions, they happen every Sunday from three to six. And we have about 30 girls ages ranging from four to like 14. And we do at first it just started on, you know, just talking about hair and learning more about hair. But it metamorphed into like, um, you know, life skills and, um, you know, self-esteem, self-worth, different um, conversations on leadership. We have people coming in. So it just grew into just like a hub for black girls to learn and grow and to deprogram what the world is trying to tell them who to be and then reprogram them with the, the ways that we should be, you know, how we're designed to be. And we not only do that verbally, I also bring in different black women, different visuals of black women, because I think that's very important. And what's lacking in this world is that the diversity of black women, like there's always just this one standard of a black woman, long hair, long nails, big butt, you know, just all this superficial stuff. But what about the sisters who are, you know what I mean, who, who don't fit that mold? So we just make sure that we push out, um, you know, just positive, encouraging, accepting messages every week, um, every Sunday, again, from three to six. And again, it's a sisterhood as well. So we have girls from all over the city. Like it's just not girls in Belsuver. I have girls from the north side. I have girls from the east side. You know, so it just offers that um, that bridge, that that uh, that bridging and that unity of of black girls. You know, um, now first, you know, thank you, you know, for all the all the work that you do. Um, you know, and you know, for you know, for those out there that you know. Um, you know, we know that those folks in society that says may feel as though like this, you know, doesn't have the value that it has. It's like, oh, this is just, you know, symbolism. Could you talk, you know, a little bit about, you know, um, you know, why the work you do, you know, is deeper, you know, than symbolism that, you know, it goes into, you know, psychology and trauma and healing and, 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 and beyond just, you know, cause I think, you know, some folks who don't have to bear the burden, Right. You know, of institutional racism, you know, of colorism, you know, of, right. you know, you know, hair. You know, I, I remember growing up, you know, and, and you know, it, you know, you got this great of hair, you got that great of hair, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. You just talk about, you know, why, why would you do, you know, so important on a psychological level, you know, from a self-esteem standpoint, as well as healing, you know, from, you know, the damage of, you know, white supremacy and colorism and all the other, you know, forms that it takes. Absolutely, because I really feel like um, the work that I do is important and it's important to be unapologetic with it, too, because there's work that could be done and you tiptoe, you know what I mean? But then there's work how you do it and you just bust through. So the unapologetically work is important because the world isn't stopping um, the image that they want for us. So I feel like that we need to go full throttle on it because a lot of these young girls are becoming slaves to enhancements that they can, like when you talk about hair, you know, these are the same things that you can achieve with your real hair, but you know, you've been taught not to like it. So um, I feel like having Fro Gang, um, it, it, like, again, it reprograms them to love their natural self. And then it stops the, 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 the higher ups from making money because hair, black hair is um, a billion dollar business. Like that's where a lot of black women's money goes to when you talk about their funds is weave and enhancements and things of that nature. So it's breaking down that money dynamic, putting money back into where it should go to the homes or whatever. And, you know, it's just important because you're, again, building the self-esteem up of these young girls. If you can learn to love your hair, I feel like you could take over the world as a black woman, because that is one, that is one of the wars that has been put, like one of the attacks that has been put on black women is our hair. And it's been from the beginning of time. And once they've mastered to, to make us not like our natural selves, they were able to tap into our madness. And it can, once your mind is controlled, you know, your body follows. So it's, it's, it's very important work. Yeah, I know we're going to go to Miracle Vietnam. I definitely remember, you know, back in the day, you know, you know, my mom with the with the hot comb, like literally just sitting right on the yeah. burner, 
and my sister being there and having that hot yep. comb, you know, you know, going through her hair, straightening her hair and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Back in the yep. early eighties. I don't even know if these do they still even have those anymore? Do they have yes, a, they listen, they have, they have them. Version? My grandmother is from the deep south of Alabama, and every day I walk in her house at 86, she's telling me, You need to let me straighten that hair up. You know, even as the founder of Fro Gang and you know, I just, I don't get mad, but I look at it like she's from the South, you know what I mean? And she's 86. So she's seen things and heard things about hair that has trauma. She doesn't even know it's traumatized her, you know, and it just, it just pushes me further. And I guess it like um, confirms the mission, you know, that this is a real issue, you know, that black women really feel like their hair needs to be straight for it to be acceptable or to be deemed beautiful. And that is a complete, utterly lie. Yeah, and thank you for that. And we're talking about like safety and, and, and community. We know that here in Allegheny County, the suspension rate for Black girls is higher than the national average. We know that um, Black girls and Black women are the fastest growing um, incarceration population nationwide. And so can you talk about when you're having these sessions, what are some of the things that these girls are saying that they need um, in their lives? Some of the resources that they need in order to feel safe, in order not to succumb to some of, of, of these alternatives that are out there. Um, a lot of my girls talk about just having just something simple as support, you know, encouragement. A lot of black girls, as you stated, just by, you know, what you just said, they get looked uh, like. Nobody pays them any attention. Nobody thinks to encourage them. Um, a lot of them just talk about, uh, you know, body image, self-esteem. That's a big one right there. Um, you know, a lot of them are really sizing themselves up against uh, these women who are, who are, you know, built differently or paying for their bodies, you know, and it's tapping into their self-esteem, making them feel depressed because now you have boys who don't like this type of girl with this. So um, I'm just seeing a lot of like, lack of support, um, the need for self-esteem, the need for encouragement, those type of things. Those are the type of um, issues my girls come to me about. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and just, you know, continuing on, you know, with with that, um, you know, concept of, of safety that, that we're really focused on this episode, um, you know, how do you see a lot of your work, you know, that's focused on um, you know, combating that that dis that discrimination and, and stigma that occurs, you know, around natural hair. Um, you know, how do you how do you see that fitting into like the overarching, you know, the overall mission um, again of of promoting and, and protecting the the safety of you know those same youth that you serve who have that natural natural hair? Because you're protecting your their minds, you know, and I feel like protecting your physical is important, but when you protect their minds, it's even more important because that's something that, you know, um, that controls your body. So everything that we teach them, everything that we show them, we're protecting their minds and we're, we're strengthening up their minds so they can't be under attack. Yeah, and then just just as a, um, a quick follow-up to that, because, um, you know, another piece of legislation um, that's been, you know, proposed a few times at the state level, passed in a couple other states, um, you know, and really directly ties into that is, is the Crown Act, which um, is, again, currently currently proposed, but still not passed in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, how, how important um, is, is that act and, and what it would do in Pennsylvania, um, you know, related, related to your work on, you know, dealing with that, that discrimination and that stigmatization that occurs around natural hair? Oh, man, it's very important. Um, and it would help, uh, you know, hold people accountable for, um, you know, the hate that they distinct, distinguish on other people for their hair. And it'll help other like it'll help black people to be more um, more boisterous about their hair uh, it, because black hair is beautiful, you know, and black hair. That is something that is a part of us. And to control that or to, you know, try to have us cut our hair to fit a mold, that is just degrading, you know? And I feel like, um, you know, if, when you talk about change and you talk about advocacy, these are the type of things that definitely should be at the front of the table. Something is, they say it's something so small as hair, but it's such a big deal because if it wasn't, then, you know, 
they would have never put this stigma on us in the beginning. So I think that the Crown Act, it definitely needs to be passed for sure, because it will it will definitely hold weight. And again, it'll hold people accountable because, like I said, I've I've been in workspaces where because I never straighten my hair. So my hair is always froed out, you know, so I go in the highest spaces with a fro and I've been I've been told, you know, you're here, you know, so I really feel like it's important for um for that for that um, bill to get passed. Definitely. Thank you for that. Um, and my next question is kind of about the health side of it. You know, we talked about the mental health side and, and and just the burden, you know, just the psychological, you know, effects, you know, um, you know, of oh, I'm walking into this corporate office, you know, with my natural hair, I'm getting looks, you know, and just the things that so many people don't think about um, as far as burdens that they don't necessarily have to carry, you know, when they walk into the office on Monday morning. But, um, you know, one of the things that often is overlooked, you know, in that billion dollar, you know, uh, uh, hair uh, industry as well is now the booming, you know, body enhancement industry is that, you know, there is, you know, health costs, you know, to the various chemicals that folks put in, put in their hair over time, um, as well as obviously we've seen uh, <clears throat> the dangers of if you don't go to a, a good surgeon, um, you know, and obviously not encouraging people to do it, but for those who do it, you know, go down to Miami for the weekend and, you know, go into a garage or something, somebody who's supposed to be a doctor. Could you talk a little bit about the dangers from a health side of the chemicals that folks put in their hair as well as the enhancements to, you know, various parts of the body uh, that, you know, could have long-term impacts, you know, on, on people's physical health? Absolutely. I mean, just the fact that, I mean, the things that black women do just to attain straight hair, black hair isn't made. I mean, it can get straight because black hair is versatile. But when you start taking your hair out of this natural pattern, your hair is going to fall out. When you start permanent, you can have fibrosis, you know, cancers and your, you know, ovarian cancers. It can mess with your skin. I mean, we're talking um, like I was reading not too long ago how even and I call it an attack because there is a war on black women's hair. So now they're they're coating yaki weave, which is what we're braiding our hair with, with some type of chemical that will that can give you an allergic reaction to your scalp. You know, so now you know they're they're putting all different type of chemicals that they know is going to tear us up. So I just I mean, there's so many different um, health health issues that can come from just trying to emulate a um a, a beauty standard that may that's not even for you to do you know what i mean so i mean like i said the perms the straightening comes from the burns it's it's i mean it could just it could get ugly yeah and i think that you know there was a, the they you know a lot of doctors in the past couple of weeks have really come out and talked about you know the surgeries, people are dying. People are dying every day. These surgeries um, and, and the long-term health impacts, and so it's very important um, that people like under understand what they're getting into. Um, but um, as we close, I just want to you know talk about the work that you're doing here and the, and, and building the self-esteem of, of the young black girls in this region. What has been what keeps you in this work? I mean, because you know you're dealing with girls. Um, the statistics, you know, in this region, you know, talking about trauma, violence, sexual violence, there's a lot of things that are going on. And so you're dealing with a lot of heavy subject matter. What keeps you in this work? And what are some of the wins that Fro Gang has had um, that it, that you just would like to share with the community? So what keeps me in the work is white supremacy. As long as white supremacy is around pushing the rhetoric to black girls, black boys, black people, I will be here pushing back. You know, um, that always keeps me, the fact that, again, the attack on black women, black girls is forever constant and the lack of protection, that keeps me moving. And just remembering my own struggle, you know, and how for real living, doing Fro Gang is helping heal my traumas, you know, because that's something that I never, I mean, I briefly talk about it, but I never go deep in how, it made me feel like people making fun of me and 
you know, just having a mother who was building you up, but you never saw what she seen, you know, and how that shaped my world. So what keeps me is all of those things. And it's healing me, you know, helping these young girls, fit, um, you know, find their way. And some of the, the wins that I that I love, love, love to um, talk about with Fro Gang again was when we um, gave away 400 black dolls to three different neighborhoods. Um, also, when we have our book bag drives, um, anytime we're giving back, like when we have our self-care, like everything we do is for children. So, you know, just seeing their faces, um, seeing the smiles, answering their questions. We, I mean, even hugging them, crying with them, you know, because you people have no idea the burdens that these kids come with, like some of the things that they say. So I guess just making a difference is my biggest win. Like I don't have any. Yeah, just make being able to make a difference and be a consistent visual will always be my biggest win. And being able to just see like girls going from calling their hair nappy because that's a cuss word at our sessions. Like we don't that word is not allowed in our building. You cannot use the word nappy and just hearing girls, you know, catch themselves and hearing parents call me like, Kelly, you got my daughter correcting me at home. I just called her hair nappy. And she said, you know, you can't call her hair nappy. So. Things like that, those small wins are major, you know, just changing the dialect and how we talk about how we view our hair is very major. So, yep. Thank you so much. And as we wrap up for people who want to support, work with you or, or send their daughters to your, your sister's sessions, how do they get in contact with you and how can they um, find more about Fro Gang? So you could go on Google, you could Google Fro Gang Foundation and it's no spaces, F-R-O-G-A-N-G. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Kelly Shakur, Fro Gang Foundation, IG, Fro Gang Foundation. We are definitely not hard to find. We are the only ones talking about Fro Gang, okay? So you could um, contact the, contact us through there. My email is frogang, no spaces, 132 at yahoo.com. And we are, we continuously take girls ages four to 14 to our, for our program. So if you would like to sign your girls up for the program, you could just go to frogang.org. The, um, the membership on the website, hit the link and fill it out and we'll get back to you. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, and we wish you and Frogang um, the best thank luck you. in, and I'll have to stop by your Sunday sessions one day. Yes, please. Uh, thank you. And come and talk to your girl. So have a good one. You too. Y'all be blessed. Thank you. Bye, Thanks, guys. Thank you. thank you for joining us. Thank you. Like you said, there's a lot, you know, happening, a lot of conversations about like safety and community. And again, we just wanted to highlight some ways that people are, are showing up and, and working with those who are directly impacted, those who are, you know, our youth or young people, um, those who are most likely to be uh, committing, you know, certain uh, um, acts right now as, it, you know, it's the summer. And so we just want to encourage folks, you know, um, to not really give over to this mindset of, of the crime paranoia to when you see these stories, when you hear stories of crime in your neighborhood, to see how you can show up and support and volunteer so that you can give people the resources. Because we know that, the, you know, crime it is often a result of a lack of resources. And you saw our, Mr. Wesley, our first guest, talk about a lot of the kids are saying that they need jobs, they need support, uh, they need, you know, a, a a long-term uh, financial pathway. And so we're just asking folks to get involved, just come support the youth um, in, their, in their communities, in their neighborhoods, you know, mentoring programs and the like. Um, Ryan, do you have any thoughts of the episode? Uh, no, I think you, yeah, you broke it down really well. Um, you know, just, um, you know, especially this time of year, especially, you know, with, with that narrative going on, um, with, you know, a lot of, a lot of issues in the community, whether it be with crime, violence, um, you know, public health, et cetera, um, you know, really just making sure that we, you know, take the time um, and, and use the platform to, to spotlight, you know, a lot of the organizations, a lot of the organizers and people, um, you know, who live, you know, in those communities most directly impacted by that, who are, who are doing the work, who are providing those resources, um, you know, really giving them that platform to, to point to, you know, where, where a lot of those resources should be allocated, um, 
you know, especially as, you know, as we get things like that American Rescue Plan funding coming in through the city and county, um, you know, and, and as we have these conversations as, as to where, you know, where resources, where public funding, um, you know, whether job, where job creation and, and affordable housing and all those things need to be allocated, um, you know, in order to address a lot of these issues and attack the root causes. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I think it's great that we were able to have, you know, the guests that we did on today to discuss that. Okay. Um, and I see you have on your Selecta shirt <laughs> yeah, 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 um, as well. Is the album, how, how close are we to your album dropping? Uh, we're, I would say we're still a few months away. You know I mean? We're just getting back into the swing post-COVID. You know, shout out to Soy Sauce. So we should be getting up in there in the, in the next few weeks. But uh, but we got a lot of stuff done. Though. We got a lot of material done. I would say we're probably about 75% done with the creative process. So I think we got you know a few more a few more songs to do. But um, yeah, yeah, we're feeling really good about where we're at. So, you know, if, you, if you're out there, you have a young person and they're wanting to get... You know, interested in the arts and, and rapping and, and hip hop, have them reach out to Kahari. They're working on an album. Um, they're going to be doing some, you know, concerts and stuff. Hope, you know, COVID, you know, withstanding. So there's, like I said, we're, there's so many ways that we're involved in the community. And so we always want people to, to show up and to, you know, um, support. And again, like we start at the top of the hour, um, one of the reasons that we're pre-recording today is because we're going to go over and support the Antoine Rose Foundation um, as they support local youth in Wilkinsburg this evening. And we just always just want to, like I said, encourage people to donate and support. That'll be our call to action um, this week to please make sure you're, you're out there um, supporting the Antoine um, uh, uh, Rose family and the foundation as they give back to the youth and, and, and to support them. You know, uh, Ms. Michelle always talks about like her goal is to help the youth, to give them the experiences and support um, things that made um, Antoine like so happy. And so that's one of the things that they're doing um, for today. You know, um, we're talking about, you know, our youth tomorrow on what Black Pittsburgh needs to know. We're going to be talking about what Black Pittsburgh needs to know about critical race theory. Over the past few weeks, there's been legislation, conversations about what our children are learning, what is being taught. And so Dr. King is going to join this same panel to talk about what does it mean to um, engage your children and your youth around, you know, topics uh, about race and racism um, and, and what critical race theory actually means. Um, Tuesday evening, it was we uh, just got... Uh, conversation, the alert that there's going to be a vigil in front of the Allegheny County Jail. There was an individual who was who lost their life at the ACJ. So a couple of organizations are doing a vigil um, outside of the ACJ. They're asking people, I believe they're asking folks to uh, bring um, to bring uh, uh, flowers instead of candles due to the possibility of rain. Plus tomorrow at um, 6.30. Um, Wednesday, we're talking a lot. You know, we talked about what happened in the soccer world. This week in white supremacy, we're, we're going to be having that conversation. We're going to be going there. Again, there's a lot of stuff going on. If you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed, don't worry. We have, you know, on tilt. You know, we're going to be having a conversation with, you know, Al Brown and Julius Boatwright of things you can do to support your mental health, to show up for your community, um, to navigate these still treacherous times. And then, you know, there's the conversations. We're going back to school. We're going to have Ask a Black Doctor talking about, you know, the vaccine. Um, what does it mean to do the back-to-school vaccinations? What does it mean to get these booster shots? Will protect against the Delta, you know, variant? How young is too young? How... Um, what should youth be doing if if they're trying to go back to schools? Should they be masked up or not? What are the what do these guidelines mean if people can still get you know COVID with the vaccine? So this is just some of the programming that we have for you this week um, with the One Hood Media Network. Like we talked about earlier, next week we're going to be partnering with Project Game for the summit. So there'll be programming that we'll have. All that we talked about today and more, so please make sure you tune in. Lastly, the election's coming down. You know, 
We have uh, uh, so many things to vote for this November. So please make sure you're registered to vote. And then we will see you at the polls. With that, I hope you have a good evening. And I'll turn it back over to Kahari to take us out. Yeah, I want to uh, you know, thank our guests uh, for, for tonight, um, you know, for, and, and them sharing their personal stories, uh, you know, as well as very uh, enlightening information. Um, and, um, you know, I did, did want to mention that um, President Biden uh, will be in Philadelphia tomorrow talking about voting rights, um, you know, that it continues um, to be a huge issue as um, State Senator Mastriano here in Pennsylvania, uh, pushes for uh, Arizona style, uh, whether they're calling a fraud it, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't think we should, you know, use the A word, A-U-D-I-T, because, uh, you know, it kind of creates a false impression of, of something that's happening that's not happening, you know what I mean? So it's not really an audit, um, you know, so, but they're trying to replicate, you know, that, you know, kind of performative political theater that they did in Arizona here in Pennsylvania as well. And, um, and obviously there's, you know, federal um, legislation um, that many of us from this organization uh, advocated for in DC a couple weeks ago, uh, the For the People Act, um, as well as the John Lewis uh, reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act. Um, so that stuff is still on the table. I'm sure all that will be on the agenda for President Biden's comments uh, in Philadelphia, but I, I did want to put that on, on folks' radar um, because I'm sure it'll be uh, one of the bigger news stories tomorrow uh, here in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and with that, uh, you know, I want to thank my uh, colleagues, uh, Miracle Jones and Ryan White, um, for joining us um, and, and, and helping holding it down while my son's school bus. I was meandering around the East End this afternoon. Um, and thank you for joining us for uh, a, a pre-recorded episode of, of, of One Hood Power. Uh, you know, we will be at uh, the Antoine Rose birthday celebration uh, during the airing um, a little bit later this evening. Um, so, um, but thank you for those who will be watching the replay and um, definitely tune in for uh, next Monday for a very big, Episode will be uh, launching our, our website, One Hood Power, um, you know, as well as our, um, you know, our summer fundraising campaign and starting to lay the groundwork for our summer and fall outreach. So definitely tune in. Uh, we have a very, very, very exciting show for uh, next Monday with the One Hood Power Hour, the official launch of OneHoodPower.com. And so with that, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next Monday uh, for the One Hood Power uh, launch and OneHoodPower.com launch. And um Have a great week and talk to you soon. Take care. Be safe.